morning and welcome to Willow Park Church as we gather together and worship. You know, it's so important that we maintain this connection in worship through this time. We are so looking forward to a time when, when we can meet again in person. Although I have to say, I have enjoyed the times that we've had in the drive-in. Connecting with people, honking those horns, it's been terrific. And maybe you'd like a change from online and you'd like something different. Well, come and join us at uh, 10.30 or, of course, at 5.30 for the evening gathering of Pursuit. Come and join us, get to see some people, connect, have a different experience. It takes real determination and real commitment to keep consistently engaging in church online. I understand that. I think you know that. And I can't say much how grateful I am that you maintain that commitment. Also how grateful we are that you are willing to keep giving and supporting the ministry of Willow Park Church. I've talked a lot about our youth department and what they've been doing. But again, this week, I was in there seeing the kids, seeing everything that was taking place. It was truly moving. It was beautiful. And I could see that the Spirit of God was at work in the lives of the teenagers. And we continually... Uh, planning as a team about how we can engage more children, more teenagers, and in fact, the whole body. Uh, I can report to you that Marriage Alpha has been remarkable, the marriage course. It's been remarkable uh, seeing all of those groups, uh, maintaining that connection. What was it? A hundred and 25 couples and I think generally speaking we've held all those couples and added a few extra as well as we've gone along. So we've seen the way that God is moving in our community. We've seen the way that we can keep connecting with people. Of course uh, this weekend we had uh, the driving film event with the children and that was fun, hilarious. Our, Our kids team are working hard in that way just creating connection for the sake of community so that we can all engage in that communion with the Lord and connect with the Lord. So keep praying. You're here on uh, Willow One News, of course, that we will have Willow One Prayer this Monday evening. Can I encourage you to log on and connect in? This is really important. We've got some big things coming up. Number one, of course, we've got kids camp happening in person in the building. We really want to cover this with prayer. We really want to pray for all the volunteers. We still need volunteers, by the way. And if you have spare time and you can help do something, uh, please volunteer with the children's department. I need you to engage. I think we need something in the region of 10 volunteers. Will you engage? Will you volunteer? Will you join us as we step in to this? If you've got that time, contact Tamara, Courtney in the children's department and connect in and volunteer. It's a great way to feel part of the community again. And it's a great way to to see lots of lovely, smiling eyes, uh, because probably they'll all have masks on. But those lovely, enthusiastic, smiling eyes of our children that they gather and, and, and learn about Jesus, learn about the love of God, learn how to engage with their relationship with the Lord in such a wonderful way. So those are some things that are on my heart. I'm excited about the way that uh, we're at least pushing forward and moving forward. And I thank you this morning for joining us. Can I remind you that you can donate? Go to the donate button or go to the website or drop a check off at the uh, office uh, through Monday through Thursday. There is also a post box for that. Uh, Any way that you can keep supporting us and traveling with us and supporting the ministry of Willow Park Church, 
I know we give unto the Lord, and certainly that's why I do it. Whether church is open or closed, I give because it's my act of worship. I tithe because I want to say to the Lord, I give my first fruits of my my labour to you and honour you. And I'm blessed by that. I'm excited to give. I'm excited to sow into the life of a church. I'm excited to believe that that money can transform lives. So this weekend, uh, can I encourage you to consider your giving, consider the gift that you might give and continue to give regularly, sacrificially and generously. That is the New Testament format by which we move forward. The tithe is definitely the floor, not the ceiling. And we want to honour the Lord with that. And it releases so much blessing into our lives. I don't mean that you sow it and you get it back a thousand times and you'll get that Porsche. But what I do mean is that we are, we are richer and we are more blessed in every area of our lives when we bring the most important things to the Lord, to sacrifice to the Lord, which was always the ancient way. Bringing the sacrifice to the Lord, the first fruits to say, everything we have is a gift from God. All the prosperity we have is a gift from God. Hmm. Well, I didn't expect to talk about that for so long at this moment, to be honest. I, uh, but I'm happy I did, because I want to remind all believers uh, to live generous, giving lives. It's amazing. And on that note, what a great, what a great fundraiser Metro Community had. We promoted it. Many of you gave to it. The whole city gave to it. Uh, they were, last time I asked somebody, it was over fifty-six, fifty-eight thousand dollars they'd raised by their walk for the for those who are homeless and struggling in our city. Well done, Metro. We applaud you, and we will keep blessing you and believing down there with Pastor Joel that every. Uh, that every part of your community will be blessed as you seek to serve those who are marginalised in Kelowna. Well, I've said enough. As you know, I can keep speaking. I've said enough. And let me pray before Luke leads us in worship. Father, thank you for all that you're doing in our community. Thank you for the way that you are working how good it is to be part of the body of Christ and for us to be able to know that we're part of a universal family that loves Jesus. That if I meet somebody in, uh, from another country and they are Jesus lovers, thank you that we are instantly brother and brother or brother and sister. Thank you, Lord, that when I've travelled through Europe and Africa and I've bumped into believers, that instantly we've talked about the relationship that we have with you, Lord. This encourages us that we are part of a global family and we pray, Lord, we pray that you'll bless our time of worship now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Enjoy the worship. And if you do feel moved, do donate and bring your offering. Bless you. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us as we worship and sing to our God together. I want to encourage you guys that this time is a time where we can express our joy to the Lord for what he's done for us, for what he's done for us on the cross in Jesus, how he saved us from our sins, and what he does for us every day, how he provides for us, how he's always in control, he's always holding us together. And so, I just encourage you guys, the Psalms say the helpless commit themselves to him. And I feel so encouraged by that. So let's commit ourselves to him now and just lean on him and, and worship him together. Yeah. 
Do whatever you want. 
Thank you, Luke. Thanks for leading in such a tender and beautiful way. We're blessed that our young man like Luke is willing to serve the Lord in turn with our church and lead worship with such a, uh, yeah, a real confidence and a real sense of um, adoration to the Lord through the way that he leads us and speaks. I'm, I'm blessed by that. Communion. As you hold the bread, it reminds us of the body of Christ that was broken for us. I love this moment and it is precious. It's a precious moment of absolute remembrance. Christ died for us on the cross and paid the price for the sin. He paid the price for man's chaos. He paid the price so that we may be forgiven. He paid the price to defeat darkness. In the name of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of him. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once dirty in my spiritual rags of brokenness and sinfulness, but I've been clothed anew. I've been, I've been made spotless and blameless because of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed me and made me acceptable to the Father. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you, Lord, for communion, where we remember, where we celebrate, and we give our lives over to you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, and speak to us, I pray. Amen. Oh, it's so... It's so enriching. It's so wonderful. Our relationship with the Lord and the closeness that we gain with him. I couldn't imagine not living without my belief and my connection with Jesus Christ. I love that and I'm blessed by it and so, so honoured, so honoured to serve Christ. So as we step in now down at the south, Jeremy will be sharing from Daniel chapter 6. 
Jordan is taking on Daniel chapter 7. I love our associates. They are so willing to serve and to connect and so uh, enjoy all that's going on with the Willow One News now. And then may the Lord bless you to the proclamation of his word. How exciting. Thank you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. Our monthly all-church prayer gathering is happening tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Everyone is welcome to join us online for a special night of prayer. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash willow1prayer. Another great opportunity for prayer is our new noon prayer gathering. It happens every weekday, Monday to Friday at 12 o'clock noon. Join our pastors and other leaders online for a half hour of meeting with God and praying for one another. To find out how to connect, visit our website at willowparkchurch.com prayer. We are currently looking for two new elders to join the Willow Park Church Board. We are now accepting nominations and would like to invite you to prayerfully consider who you think would be a good fit to join the leadership of our church. To learn more and to nominate someone to be considered for eldership, visit willowparkchurch.com elder. Our midweek youth programs have started up again. Grades 9 to 12 join us on Wednesday nights and grades 6 to 8 join on Thursdays. Learn more and sign up at willowparkchurch.com slash cahoots dash lounge. Kids Camp is happening in person the first week of spring break. That's March 15th to 19th for kids age 4 to grade 5. The camp is almost full, so register today at willowparkchurch.com slash kidscamp. We are also looking for a bunch of volunteers to be small group and station leaders. If you'd like to volunteer, please sign up online as well. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it's my pleasure to be here and, and to bring you this um, this message today, and it, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a big one. As we know, we've been going through the book of, of Daniel, and, and I'm going to have the, uh, the chat hosts wherever you're at, if you're on Facebook or online or YouTube or whatever, they're going to drop in a link, and don't worry, it's not spam. What this is, is an image of, um, of, of the overview of the book of Daniel. You're not going to really be able to see it um, as I'm here, but it's from the Bible Project, and uh, and it's just kind of an overview of what's going on. So the book of Daniel has been um, absolutely far more amazing to go through than I really thought would happen. But the idea of the hope that the message is bringing has been, has been really encouraging. So that what the book of Daniel does is it, it's the hope that motivates faithfulness. You're going to see as you open up that little link there, it's going to say here, it's going to say the hope that motivates faithfulness. And as we walk through, we have um, Azariah, Mishael, Hananiah, and Daniel. And they're all walking through this book of the Bible. And they have been taken as captives and they've been brought to Babylon. And they've been trying their best to serve their king. They've been trying their best to serve their to serve their God in a time and in a place where they're being actually held captive. So chapter 1 talks about that. It talks about the persecution they are under. And then you're going to see that chapter 4 and chapter 5, Belshazzar's pride and Nebuchadnezzar's pride, those two chapters are linked. Chapter 3 and chapter 6 is the fiery furnace and the lion's den. Those two chapters are linked. And then chapter 2 and our chapter today, chapter 7, those two are linked. And what is happening is... Um, is today we're going to be talking about a dream. Perhaps you've had a dream, perhaps, um, perhaps not. Let's see if it's here. So this is the actual outline. You're not going to really be able to see, it's a bit fuzzy here, but there's this dream about some beasts and about Daniel and about the Ancient of Days that we're going to be looking through today. And really this dream is about hope when there seems to be no hope at all. Is that we have this choice to succeed, to succumb to the, or we have a choice to succumb to the nature of the beast. This is what this dream is talking about. So, our life and our world, it's almost laughable sometimes to think 
that we would say God is king of our world, that God is in the ultimate control of our world. It's almost laughable sometimes because as we look at our world, there seems to be so much destruction, so much pain. We're in this middle of this pandemic. We see our murder rates, our suicide rates, our overdose rates just skyrocketing. The racism, the, the political unsettled nature of our world is so, so difficult to grasp. And as we look through past and we look through the history of our world, we see the pain. But we need to know as we walk through this chapter that God is ultimately in control. Now, you and I, we walk through our lives and we have the choices to make. And we're going to see that we have choices to make on our very own. But the beauty of God is He is the one that comes. So, if you want to open up your Bible to Daniel chapter 7, we're going to read about a very bad dream. I'm just going to leave this image up here. It's a bit of, a, a bit of an idea of of a uh, Armageddon type thing because we know Daniel chapter 7 and the four beasts, you know, in a lot of ways, in a lot of people's minds, represents this kind of really bad dream. So this looks like a bad dream. So we're going to carry on. If you want to open up that image, you can just look at this. Actually, I'm going to open it to here. I'm going to leave it here. You can look at that and, and have a kind of read through. But I'm going to read this whole thing. I'm going to go try to go quick. If you've come here today and you really do know Daniel chapter 7 really well, I know there's people out there that they have read this and studied this their whole lives. And, uh, but there's also people that have come that are just kind of like, what is Daniel chapter 7? What is this guy on about? Just stay with me, stick with me, read this through, and pretend that you are really interested. Because if you pretend that you're really interested in knowing what this is, you're going to see really good news in the end of this dream. So, without further ado, let's read. Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar's king Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was laying in bed. He wrote down the substance of the dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, come up out of the sea. There's lots of symbolism in here that we are never going to be able to get to today. The first was like that of a lion that had the wings of an eagle. I watched until his wings were torn off and was lifted from the ground so it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. This is quite the dream. And then there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told to get up and eat your fill of flesh. Wonderful. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings. Now notice it looks like a leopard, but I know Kelowna doesn't have a zoo. Uh, Kamloops has a wildlife park, but you may not have seen a leopard there. But if you haven't seen a leopard, normally they don't have any wings. And if they did have wings, they wouldn't have four wings. So it kind of looks like a beast, but it's like a... It looks like a leopard, but more like a, maybe a death leopard, you know, like something real good. And then uh, it also had, oh, it had four heads as well. Uh, and it was given ru- authority to rule. Real interesting stuff. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening, very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I'm just going to call this one the super mega horned beast. Just like this disgusting super mega horned beast that is just absolutely terrorizing this world. While I was thinking about the horns as you do, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And the three... And three of the first horns, because there's a lot of horns at the beginning, three of the first horns were uprooted before it as this little horn grew bigger. And the horns had eyes like that of a human and began, and a human being, and the mouth that spoke boastfully. How are we doing? There's a lot going on here. There's a horn that just uprooted from this beast's heads that has eyes that speaks boastfully. Not an image that you are necessarily used to. But take heart, because the people back in those days, Daniel, they did understand this imagery. So just a little bit of a background for these type of things is that beasts were referred to quite a bit. And so Isaiah 5, verse 26, 29, when he's talking about the beasts coming in and taking, a lion coming in and taking the people from Israel and taking them to Babylon, it says this, he lifts up a banner from the distant nations. He whistles for those 
at the ends of the earth. Here they come, swiftly and speedily. Their arrows are sharp and their bows are strung. Their roar is like that of the lion. Their roar like a young lion's. They growl as they seize their prey and carry it off with no one, with no one to rescue. Isaiah 5, 26 to 29 is one of many, many verses in the Old Testament that speaks about beasts, speak about this idea of beasts coming and devouring and taking and stealing and destroying. And also horns are fairly obvious, fairly evident in the, in the, in the Old Testament as well. Horns are, are spoken of lots, and there's this idea of horns and they pierce you through or they, or they like a bull kind of like rams around and, and does unspeakable damage with these horns. So now here's this, Psalm 75. You say, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. To the arrogant I say, boast no more, and to the wicked do not lift up your horns. Do not lift up your horns against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. Who says I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up? There's these horns that are symbols of strength and power. But you see, obviously, from this verse here, Psalm 75, horns aren't the issue. That power isn't the issue. It's the way you yield your power. It's the way you yield your voice. It's the way that you take your horns that you've been given. It's the way you take your authority that you've been given and speak up against God is the issue. So these beasts are obvious in the Old Testament, and so are the horns, and they bring about this amazing thing. So Daniel is actually, obviously, in a very discouraged spot. Living in Babylon, living in captivity, he's just been thrown to the lion's den. He's just had his friends give it over to a fiery furnace. He's like, how long is this going to last? And then he gets this dream, and so far, not so good. Just a whole bunch of beasts running amok. But we keep reading. Chapter, verse 9. As I looked, the thrones were set in place as the Ancient of Days took his holy seat. This beautiful Hebrew phrase for God as he comes and he sits and he gets to his throne. And he says, the thrones were set in place. It's almost like you can see Daniel sitting there and it rolls in this throne. And then this Ancient of Days, God walks up, takes his seat. His clothing is white as snow. His hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. And its wheels were all ablaze. It's like Hot Wheels. You've got this throne of just these, these amazing fiery wheels going. And you just see the power. And a river was flowing, coming out before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the book was open. These beasts are absolutely running amok. They're destroying everything that comes into this path. And then you have this God, this Ancient of Days, come and seat and he brings order, and he opens up his book. Then I continue to watch, because you would continue to watch, wouldn't you? Because of the boastful words that the horn was speaking. You're going to watch that, aren't you? Looking at this horn talking, and he kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into a blazing fire. The other beasts were stripped of their authority and were allowed to live for a period of time. This is like this judgment day that we speak about. This is this evidence of a judgment day. God coming and saying, look, this world is out of control, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to bring judgment to those beasts who speak against me. Verse 13, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me, one like a son of man. This is the important, this is, this is all very important, but this is a real important part of this. One, like the Son of Man. Son of Man, in, in Hebrew, um, Adam means human, and this is the word mean, meaning here. Is the Son of Man, the Adam, the, the man, the human one, and the son of. So when we talk about being a son of something, what is it? A son is belonging to, I belong to my mom, I belong to my dad. You belong to your mom, you belong to your dad. For richer or for poorer, we belong to someone. When you're a son, you belong. And this is this idea that there's a son of man, a human one, a son of human being fully human. So now this is the first time we've seen this, the son of man. Now we know if you are, a, if you are an old Sunday school professional, you know son of man is how Jesus refers to himself. But this is the first time we see it here, and it's putting itself very firmly as a human one. 
But this human one, coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Daniel's watching all this happen. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is everlasting, and his dominion will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So there's a lot going on here in this dream. You know, I was given this verse of this chapter a couple weeks ago, and man, I had to do a lot of reading, a lot of listening to, to even get to a point where I kind of understood it. But as I've started to understand, I'm like, okay, this is pretty interesting. This is pretty good. But Daniel didn't even know what was going on. So I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit. Of course he was. Verse 15, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. Oh, I'm going to change this. You don't need to look at that anymore. Go back to that. Keep looking at your paper if you want to. It's quite interesting. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. So one of those thousands upon thousands upon ten thousands of people, he was like, hey, what did I just see? What did I just look at? So he told me and he gave me this interpretation of things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise up from the earth. But the holy people, the Most High, will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. This is a great hope. Those four great beasts were running rampant. They were destroying. They were killing. They were making things happen. And then he says over here in verse 14, it says, Um, No, sorry, verse 13, it says, one like the Son of Man. And in verse 17 or 18, it says, the holy people of the Most High. So the the beasts represent kings and kingdoms. The the horns represent arrogance. And then the Son of Man represents humanity. So that humanity, after it's destroyed, will inherit forever and ever. Those who are believers, those who are ones who love God, those are the ones that will inherit his kingdom forever and ever which is amazing. This is a verse and a dream of hope for Daniel. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth really ugly super beast, which was different from the others and is most terrifying. With its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed them devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on the head in which the other horn that came up before it and the other three fell. He wanted to know about the little horn that came up and burst through and killed the other horns. Of course he wanted to know about that. The horn looked more imposing than the others and had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched this horn, it was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. Until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And that time they possessed the kingdom. See, again, we see the holy people swapped for the Son of Man. And, and, and we know that the Son of Man because of our Bible knowledge, we know that that's Jesus, but it's also the holy people. Verse 24, ten horns are ten kings that will come up from this kingdom and another will arise and different from the earlier one. He will subdue the three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and a half a time. There is so much symbolism in this that I'm just scratching the surface. And perhaps if you've read this for years and years and years, you know more about the symbolism than I. We're not going to be able to get to it all. But this times, times, time and half a time, it could be a really good album cover name or a band title, or it could mean three and a half years, or it could mean a different set of time. We can't get into that today. But he says, verse 26, the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. So once the Ancient of Days takes his throne, the power of the beast will be taken away. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people, the Son of Man. Remember that. On the Most High, his kingdom will be everlasting and all the rulers will worship and obey him. So once that, the human one, the Son of Man, is destroyed, then he will be raised up and then he will have authority. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, Of course, was deeply troubled at my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. That's quite the dream. How was your dream last night? Did it compare to this at all? Have you had dreams that you remember that were kind of like this? I don't know if I have. I've had a few dreams, but this one was big. 
This one is, is so centered to the book of Daniel, but it's also so centered to the, to the Old Testament, Testament narrative, and it's so central to the whole Bible. I didn't even realize this as I was opening it up, and I'm like, wow, this is so important, and it's so crucial and so huge, so I'm so excited that we get to talk about this today. Can we think of a verse, can we think of a chapter in the Bible that really represents what's happening here? So we have all this stuff. We have a kingdom that's coming and traveling its people. Can we think of a chapter of the Bible that it's talking about? And yes, of course we can. We're thinking about the chapter of Daniel, the book of Daniel. This dream could very much be talking about this. So we say to ourselves, what does this have to do with anything? I come to church. I sit on my sofa. I'm in my car later on when you're at, when you're at church in the parking lot. If you want to come, you can come to that at 1030. But if you, what is the point of all of this? I came to church today to be encouraged, and now I hear about these four beasts in this dream. What's going on? I talked to my friend um, in Calgary last week, and I said, look, I'm preaching on Daniel chapter 7, and he said, why? <laughs> and I think to myself, why is right? But as the last couple of weeks I've been researching and looking at this, there's so much hope in this disgusting version of beasts and disgustingness, but this ancient of days comes down. There's four things that we kind of see come out of this. So there's four observations um, that you might have seen. So the first observation that I see is that this might refer to the book of Daniel. So we kind of get out and we see the book of Daniel, we see what's happening, and we see that there is, uh, there's some real parallels to what's happening in Daniel's life. So that's the first observation. The second observation, um, made by people that have studied this chapter a lot more than I have, and they're a lot smarter than I have, and a lot of respect for them, they say this, that this actually, this chapter refers to the period of time before Jesus, about 150 years before Jesus and before that, um, and 600 years before Jesus, when the Babylonians rule, they are the lions. The Persians, uh, they were the bears. You remember the bear with the three ribs in his mouth. Disgusting. Um, and then the Greek, the great mega leopard, death leopard. And then we have the Syrians. And the Syrians are the mega beasts because um, the Syrians were actually, um, they came and they conquered Alexander the Great. And that's is where they divided up Israel and Palestine now. And they were led by Antichus, who was the leader of this kingdom. And this leader of the kingdom of, of Syria brought about greater persecution on the, on the Jewish people than ever in the history of their life, in their land. Which is really saying a lot because we just read through the book of Daniel and all the persecution they're experiencing. But this Syrian ruler brought about such great persecution. He, in fact, he went all the way to, take, to get rid of all the artifacts in the temple and put his own statues to his own gods in there. He would torture and kill the people in the courtyard of the temple. He said, you cannot worship your God in Jerusalem. And he took complete control. And so a lot of people think this is the mega horned beast that this scripture is talking about. And I would say they're probably not wrong. In fact, it even said that he stopped the calendar. And if you look back in chapter, in, in verse um, 25, he will speak against most ho- the Most High and oppress the holy people and try to change the set times and laws, change their calendar. That's what he did. He tried to change their calendar. So he might be talking about this, but also a lot of people that uh, are a lot more versed in this stuff and, and, and know a lot more, and some, many of whom I respect, um, refers to what is yet to come. The second coming and the, and the Antichrist and the mega beast and the, and the beast and the mark of the beast, all that kind of stuff. And, and perhaps a slightly less biblical version of that is the Left Behind series that we probably shouldn't be reading too much today, but I should leave that. But anyways, I'll leave that alone. But, um, but, but it is true that there's something is coming, something is stirring in the future that brings this Antichrist, that brings this mega beast. And perhaps this is true. Maybe not the Kirk Cameron movies, but Jerusalem and, and, and a new heaven and new earth, something, something new is happening. Something is going to happen. So those people, they might know as well. But what I'm concerned of and what we as Anabaptists need to be concerned about is not what I think about it, not what you think about it, not what everyone around us thinks about it, but what does Jesus say about this verse? What does Jesus say? 
And he says this, if you want to find, if you want to make your way to Matthew chapter 26, we're going to find out a little bit about what he's talking about. If you want to turn Matthew chapter 26, verse 57 to 68, we're not going to read the whole thing through. I've done most of my reading for the day by reading all of Daniel chapter 7. You're welcome. So, 56, verse 50, chapter 26, verse 57, Jesus before the Sanhedrin. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where their teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. So Jesus is going to be on trial for his imminent death that we all know about. Those who had arrested Jesus came and took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, the teachers of the law, and the elders had assembled. Verse 59, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were there looking for false evidence. So the chief priest, the highest in the land, the most authority type person in all of the land, was looking to get false charges against Jesus to kill him. And they all admitted this freely. But they didn't find any because Jesus, what did he do? He came just to heal the sick and bring peace and love to the poor. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow I am able to destroy the temple. This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. So they got upset. And then the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, who is Jesus, by the way, ironic, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus, in all his wisdom, says, you have said so. Just that comment, you've said so. But then he says this, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. He quotes directly from Daniel 7. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He spoke, he has spoken blasphemy. If you were to go to a Star Wars convention tomorrow, let's say the pandemic's over, everyone's at a Star Wars convention, and you were to take a lightsaber of the red variety and walk up to someone and say, I am your father. Without actually saying who you are, you are introducing yourself and myself. If I do that, I'm introducing myself as Darth Vader, and I'm putting you in the shoes of who? Luke Skywalker. So as I come into this Star Wars convention, everyone knows what's going on. There's a whole bunch of Star Wars nerds there, and I come up with a red lightsaber, and I say, I'm your father. I'm officially putting myself in the shoes of Darth, and you in the shoes of Luke Skywalker. That's exactly what's happening here. Well, Jesus comes into a whole bunch of Bible nerds, if I'm honest with you. These guys know the Torah. They know what's going on. And he says, look, do you see what he's doing here? He's saying, he's putting himself in the position of the Son of Man, who they know is in Daniel, and he's putting Caiaphas, the high priest, the most authoritative person in all of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, in all of Israel, he's putting him as the character of what? of the super mega horned beast. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the son of man. I am the one. I am the human one. And what you are doing right now is you are being the mega horned beast. Daniel, back when he heard this dream, he would not think, I don't think in a million years, I can't put words in his mouth, but I don't think that Daniel would think that he is prophesying, he is dreaming a dream that one day in front of him, a Jewish person, a Jewish high priest would be the mega horned beast. But that's what's happening. And Jesus says, you are this beast right now. And so instead of saying that it's 160 years from now or thousands of years after the life of Christ or many, many times in history, he's saying, Caiaphas, you in front of me are the beast. And what Jesus is saying is beast is, is the idea of a beast is clothing that you can put on and you can take off. Because Nebuchadnezzar and those kings, they would have been the beast. Antioch, in 160 years before Christ, that would have been the beast. Perhaps in, in the future, there's going to be a beast. But right now, Jesus is saying, in front of me, this human being has decided to put on the clothes of a beast. See, humanity, we live as humans. We know as humans. We have the, the, most, the most highest version, best version of a human being is one that can check their impulses. One that can check what they're doing. One that can check who they are at any time. 
And we've all been given this beautiful conscience. But back in Genesis 2, we were put in charge of the beasts. Humans were put in charge of beasts. And we were able to take control and to do what we needed to do and to, to love the beast. But then we wanted to. Our horns started to sprout up and we started to speak defiantly against God. And we became the beast. We became this ability to have this beast of thing. And as we became the beast, we got thrown out of the garden. And now we have a choice every day. Do we be like the Holy One, the Son of Man, the Holy People? Do we take on that clothing or do we take on the clothing of the beast? We have a choice every day. How do we live? Do we live in this beastly clothing or do we live like one that's the Son of Man? Tim Mackey says this from the Bible Project. He says, When human beings reject God's authority over them, when we reject God's definition of good and evil, we exalt our own desires and impulses and appetites to divine significance. Individually and collectively, something horrible happens to us. We become beasts, driven by pure impulse and desire and self-preservation. We become beasts when we preserve ourselves. We become beasts when we start to think about ourselves, not about God, not about His kingdom. Last week, my wife, uh, she said she heard some cats fighting in our, in our carport. And so in the morning, I got up and I went outside. And, and you know, Princess Bride, when there's a great battle here and something happened, I got outside and I saw a big tuft of feathers and I saw another big tuft of feathers. And I followed this tuft of feathers around the side of the house. And there before me lay a half of a chicken, absolutely demolished by a beast. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's our bird. I went to the backyard. Sure enough, we were missing a chicken. Perhaps we left the roost open and perhaps a raccoon had its impulses and it went in and it took that chicken and did unspeakable damage to that chicken. What happens is when we give ourselves over to our beastly impulses, things start to move away from the beauty and the humanity and the love of God. And we start to succumb to the beastly pleasures of this world. That little horn that kind of grows and starts to speak up against God and defies God. We need to rein that in as much as we can. See, the thing is, we have this tendency, you know what I know, we have this, we know right now that we have a tendency to have either beastly desires or human godlike desires. Human beastly desires or godlike desires. And we have these two wars constantly fighting against us. And what Jesus is saying is there's a beast here in front of me which never anticipated being a beast, but he became one. And I need to say, God, I know that I have these beastly desires. I know that I have these, these tendencies to become beast-like. And God, please reveal them to me so I don't move and I don't impulse and I don't live on those impulses. There's so much pain that that brings and so much difficulty that brings. See, when we rise up like a horn and we become so self-focused and we so, become so focused on preserving ourselves and becoming insular and then pushing everything out around it that we become that, that beast. So this chapter is really talking about there's hope in God, there's hope in living like Him, but that hope fades away when we start to serve ourselves. Hebrews 12, 1-2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. That sin so easily entangles us. We don't even realize it's happening. And then we start to become entangled us. And then we need to run with perseverance, the race marked out, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Once we take our eyes off of Jesus, we put our eyes on ourselves. And that beastly nature can take over. So this chapter is a chapter of hope. This chapter is a chapter of love. And this chapter is a chapter of God is in ultimate control, but we don't want to allow this beastly nature to take over. We don't want that. I want to take a moment just to stop and to think, God, what are these beastly thoughts and nature that I struggle with daily? Our marriages are being torn apart our world is being torn about by, t- apart by selfishness and, and, and self-serving. 
kingdoms and kings are just coming against because of serving of self. God, how can I come to understand and recognize what I'm doing? So take a moment and just ask God, what are my horns? What are my beastly natures? As you do that, I did a prayer meeting this week and this lady, she prayed a lovely prayer. And she said, God, I was thinking about what is my beastly nature? Self-reliance, insecurity, looking at myself, taking control. And what I need to do is I need that, to give that control to you. I need to give that, my world to you, God. So Daniel sees this as a chapter of hope. We need to see it as a chapter of hope. This world is only for a temporary time. And the worst that that beast can do to us, if the worst that the beast could do to God is to kill it, and when, that, when Jesus was killed, and when Jesus was killed, he actually took up his authority. He actually ascended to the right hand of heaven, and all sovereignty was given to him. All control was given to him. All power was given to him. The enemy wants to crush us and destroy us, but God is so good that we can raise up and we can live in him and we can move in him. God, I pray that you would be with us today. As we struggle with the inner understanding of what is our beast and what is our good intention of you, I pray that we would know that and we would serve you and love you. I pray as we move into our week, we would see and recognize the uh, the beastly world out there that is coming against you and just serve you wholeheartedly and good. We love you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Amen. I hope this was okay. This is a big chapter and a lot to decipher and a lot to take in. So God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.